Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 95 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, post-apocalyptic virus mutant. And I do think that it is worth mentioning that although it may sound like we're in the same room, we are practicing social distancing. Not even the, the kind of recommended six feet, we are probably a couple of miles apart. Yeah, I think so, two, three miles, we're taking the necessary precautions. Yeah, we are, yeah. We're coming at you at a weird time. Uh-huh. Both a weird time of day, 11 o'clock on a Saturday, <laughs> and a weird time of life. Yeah, this is far and away the maddest week I can remember. Uh, yeah, I would say that's fair. And I think it is worth mentioning what we're going to be hoping to be up to during all this. I mean, obviously, I don't think that, like, obviously, apart from the fact that you don't want us to be infected by it, presumably, I don't think you really need to know about too much about what we're doing day to day because you're not going to catch it from us via podcasting. No, 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 not certainly not at this stage. It depends on how the virus mutates. <laughs> But for now, I believe you're safe across the airwaves. Yeah, but um, obviously this is going to probably impact what we're doing a little bit, but we are going to minimize that as much as possible. We're going to do our best to. We're going to be doing a lot more stuff via Skype, I would imagine. I'm working on figuring out how we do like multiple Skypes and so much as I can continue to record separate channels. So I can still try to do the best I can with, in terms of making it sound decent. And um, don't forget, of course, uh, if anyone knows a lot about this kind of stuff, then get in touch because <laughs> we're working away on it right now. Uh, also, yeah, we're going to try and do a couple couple of things we're kind of like looking into some stuff maybe like a netflix party watch along with some of you guys things like that yeah. but um more to come on that in the coming weeks as we kind of test things out and figure out what we can do because obviously we've kind of had to improvise a little bit yeah also i'm still thinking that the doing the pod bean live thing might be quite cool where people can like join in and messages and we can talk about it maybe while we watch something and, and we can like read out people's messages and interact with people live and in the moment and then release it as an episode provided it turns out okay yeah i mean these are all things that we can try so stay tuned we are looking into like various ways that we can hopefully make everyone's kind of self-isolation fun or more fun in a small way yeah and, and if there's anything we can do then we're more than happy to do that yeah but moving swiftly on have you been watching anything this week well inside number nine finished this week yeah it did and i've kind of deliberately not talked about it yet um because i kind of thought that it would be good to have a quick shoot through just kind of like very very snappy reviews of all six episodes yeah i'm happy to do that um good to hear though that it's been renewed for another two series yeah i mean this season was a little little bit it wasn't hit and miss for me because i liked them all but i would say that some landed way more than others for me so um but it is still one of the best things on tv i think and even a kind of mediocre episode inside number nine is still better than most tv Agreed. Um, so yeah, uh, more of that is always good. So to hear that we're getting a season six and seven of that, very encouraging indeed. So yeah, for anyone that's not familiar, Inside Number Nine is an anthology series, kind of part comedy, part horror, a little bit Twilight Zone-y in some ways, I think. It's not. I, I wouldn't say that it's just as simple as kind of horror and stuff like that. I think there's a lot of kitchen sink drama type stuff in it as well, a lot of kind of realism. Yeah, and I mean, wild kind of format changes week to week and things like that as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they have literally run the gamut from... Um, romance to tragedy to kind of straight up 
horror. Yeah, through the mediums of like kind of like regular kind of like single camera drama to like found footage to security cameras, loads of things. And it's uh, like I say, it never stops being interesting. I don't think. So episode one, this series was uh, the referees a wanker, which I thought was okay. Uh, for me, it was the lower half in terms of quality. I'd be inclined to agree. Um, I think that the stakes felt a little bit low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't land. It wasn't like a particularly exciting first one back for me, but I thought it was okay. That's not a bad way to ease yourself back into it, though. I suppose not, no. And um, similarly, Death Be Not Proud, the second episode, uh, when a woman and her partner move into a new flat at a knockdown price, strange things occur, made only stranger when the previous owner returns. Again, I like the way that the story rolled out, but the kind of comedy horror fusion didn't necessarily work all the way. I like this episode as a fan of Psychoville see I don't have that yeah. like, I, I, like I didn't watch Psychoville so like that kind of like I'm not going to say fan service but that referential thing was kind of lost on me I would say it was fan service very much so like I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when she opens the door and David Sauerbutz is standing there I, I was thrilled but I was also a little bit like huh. but I don't think the episode worked in its entirety um, again I would probably have it in the lower half but um, it was lovely to see those characters again. Yeah, okay, that's, I mean, that's cool. It's in the lower half for me as well. Love's Great Adventure, episode three, you really like that. I thought that when you're talking about kind of kitchen sink family drama, this was the most kind of like straight shooting one of those that you got. Oh, very much so. This was like one of Ben Wheatley's early films, like Down Terrace or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, like I, that's, that's right up my street. Those kind of things really work for me, and I thought that this was great. Really, really enjoyed it. Yep. Um, next up, also you had Misdirection, a world-famous magician is interviewed by a student journalist. Really like this too. This reminded me a little bit of the episode from a couple of seasons ago, The Riddle of the Sphinx. Yeah, I was just going to say that very thing. Yeah, I like when they do this. I like when it gets really clever and in-depth and interesting. By the way, I still don't understand The Riddle of the Sphinx episode. I still don't understand how to do cryptic crosswords. I felt like it was a very good explanation of how to do them that I still don't get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm no further on with understanding them, but that's more my fault than theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking out loud then, seven disparate characters share their stories with a camera not knowing their fates are about to collide. Uh, like this, a couple of choices felt weird to me. Agreed. Um, I didn't think that I would necessarily have had Steve Pemberton as the American killer guy. I had a real problem with Steve Pemberton's southern accent. Yeah, I wasn't nuts about it either. But I think as an idea, I thought that it was pretty cool. Yep. And I didn't see it coming because I almost feel like I've trained myself to not see these things coming. But I, I thought that every individual one worked with, like I say, obviously with like the qualifier being a little bit unsure about Steve Pemberton's part. Everything that they were trying to do mostly worked. I thought that the kind of like vlogger girl was really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that was very authentically done and all that kind of thing. That was cool. And like I say, I thought the twist was great. And uh, finally got the stakeout, which is the, probably the most straight horror one that there is in there. Yeah, agreed. Weirdly, the straight horror episodes of Inside Number 9 are often the ones that land least. Yeah, I, w- I-, I would agree. I-, I, f- I still think the harrowing is the best one. The harrowing probably is the best one. Seance Time, I think, is also alright. Uh. But only okay. This I think was pretty good yeah and um, yeah I like the setup and everything like that but like yeah it, again it didn't quite work all the way yeah but I mean on, on the whole I'd say pretty strong series by the way worth mentioning if you're listening on Monday it's already out on DVD oh cool okay yeah Um, but I would say that your strongest three there are Love's Great Adventure Misdirection and Thinking Out Loud I would agree great to have Inside Number 9 back on the screens looking forward to seeing it presumably returning at some point next year elsewhere I want to talk about this a little bit more now we did talk briefly and probably too briefly on the Garbage Pale Kids episode of the show with Sam Ashurst about his film A Little More Flesh which just recently had its world premiere at the Starburst Festival in Manchester which was one of the last film festivals to survive <laughs> yeah 
yeah. Um, by all accounts, uh, the screening seemed to go really well. I think people responded in a way that Sam was happy with. I mean, that's great news. And I think that I so I watched it in advance of Sam's episode of the show. But I would say, you know, that thing where it's like you want to watch something, but also there's this kind of like imperative to watch it by a certain time. Yeah, I did the same thing, and then um, it was only the other day when I asked you if you still had the link that I sat down and actually properly watched it like on a, on the television as opposed to trying to watch it like on the hop on my phone. Yeah, I, I mean, I um, I watched it on my laptop first time, watched it on the TV uh, just last night, actually. On second watch and on a watch where I could give it kind of my undivided attention, this might be the best film I've seen this year. Wow. I love it. And I think that, like, he's done something here that, or he and Elf Lions have done something here that is going to rattle a lot of people's cages, I think. I would agree with that. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of challenging content in it. I would say, like, more so than most films I've seen in the last few years. What we're dealing with here is is a director who was making erotic dramas back in the day he's now doing a director's commentary on his film uh, God's Lonely Woman. Um, yeah, which is about to be theoretically like released on Blu-ray by this company called Deep Cup Films. I think Deep Cup Films or Deep Cup Video. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically as it unfolds and as the commentary unfolds, um, it kind of alludes to this kind of troubled backstory around the production and uh, the way that these things are seeded and the way that you're kind of fed scraps of information and it kind of it gets under your skin in a really, really great way and in a couple of different ways, I think, as it goes on. Uh, build into a final shot that you'll not forget in a hurry either. Oh, no, no, definitely not, no. There's one moment as well, which it must be close to 10 minutes of screen time, which is the lead actress, Elf Lines, just dancing. Just the camera just locked off and focused on her and I was blown away. Like I, I think it's this because of the stuff that Sam's saying, like the time doesn't seem to be anywhere near that length, do you know what I mean? No, you're not checking your watch at all during no, that. During but it's, that a, it's a long, long single static shot. Sam does a great job as this kind of sexist director from a time best forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. And as this goes on, the stuff that he's saying is like increasingly reprehensible. Oh, very much so. And and by um, the way, massive props to Sam because he's he seems to have done almost every department in this film. Yeah, mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it seems like very much a labor of love in that way. So who knows when this will see kind of wider release and things? But this is something that people have to check out when it comes out. I mean, it's not going to be for everyone, but. If it was for everyone, what would be the point? Yeah, no, it's definitely not for everyone, but I'll tell you who it is for. Me, because I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. Me too. Love it. Love it, love it. So that's Sam Ashurst, A Little More Flesh. Uh, we will keep you updated when we know more about what's going on with that film because uh, I get the impression there's a lot of people that listen to this show that would be really, really interested by it as well. Yeah, I just want to also say uh, I love that he's managed to largely hit the aesthetic that he was going for. I believe he did kind of like re-rating and stuff like that at Hex Towers. Uh, yeah, I believe he did. Yeah, up in yeah. recording. Mm-hmm. So that's about it this week for me, apart from one. Yep. Mitch goes back to the 90s and watches things. Well, that was a good one. Uh, 1993 this time. Right. You will not guess what I watched this time, I don't think. <laughs> uh, that put me out of my misery. I'm not even going to attempt. I watched Ticks. Oh, wow. Didn't see that coming, did you? No, I didn't. But wow, yeah, I love Ticks. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it as well. So, 1993, you have here Seth Green. This isn't just a Seth Green side quest, by the way, after watching Idle Hands <laughs> last week. But, uh, yeah, uh, Seth Green and uh, Clint Howard, yep. a couple of years before Ice Cream Man, of course, and Alfonso Ribeiro, yeah. uh, Carlton from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I now know a second Alfonso Ribeiro credit. He's been a pure well. douchebag in this, if I recall. It's really funny, actually, like considering that this was like kind of like prime Fresh Prince of Bel-Air time, mm-hmm. that he's playing such a kind of like, 
a kind of like macho, almost kind of like cool guy in it. <laughs> it's really, really strange. But I did enjoy it. I thought the practical stuff was really fun. Yeah, yeah. It's nice and messy. I like that. Yeah, no, this was, this was, this was a good one. I have a couple of ideas for what to watch next. I might like jump to post-scream next. Oh, Okay. Dig up a slasher or something. You just do your, just do your thing. You don't need to justify it to me. Um, I want to talk about something, actually. Um, just this morning, actually, I got a message from uh, Stephen Wales, one of our regular listeners and contributors, mm-hmm. who had a really cool idea. Um, so, obviously, the 90s side quest is going to run for a little while, uh, kind of get our money's worth from that idea. But one thing that Stephen did say was that one thing that we could do after that is have me work through a list of 50 recommendations from listeners. All right. Now, I am very into this idea. And basically, the cool thing about this is we can run the 90s side quest, and I'll keep doing that until we have 50 from our listeners. Okay. And then I can just start. So I would love to hear your recommendations, not just 90s films. This is going to be a different thing. But send me things that you think I should watch that you can guess that I probably haven't seen. And I'm going to do like a 50 first watches (laughs) thing. Okay. Uh, so I, yeah, I want your recommendations and we'll put together a list and every time I pick one, I will mention the person that recommended it, what I thought of it. I think this could be a fun way to get people interacting, especially right now. Yeah, I think it would, it would be nice to give you something to do. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of between projects right now and I'm working from home. So, you know, help me out. Give me something to do. So moving on. Do, 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 do. What have they been saying? They've been saying a lot this week on the feedback and unsurprisingly, almost exclusively about Gremlins 2. Yeah, that was excellent. Massive thanks to Adam Stovall for coming up to HQ and spending some time with us, drinking some beers and having a great chat about Gremlins 2. Loved it. Yeah, it was great and very cool of Adam to specifically do that just like kind of hours before he flew home. And uh, not that he knew this at the time, days before we all just had to stay in our houses. So um, very much appreciated and we had a few people getting in touch including Barry Delgarno at Delgarno Barry on Twitter. Wait, what? You're doing Gremlins? Gremlins 2, the new batch? Fantastic. The love I have for that film can reasonably be described as unreasonable. It's absolute genius. It's meta in the way that Deadpool wishes it was. Can't wait for this. <laughs> uh, Adam himself reached out to us and said, uh, I've gotten a few messages from people who have been inspired by the podcast to watch, rewatch Gremlins 2 this weekend, and it makes me so happy. Which is no small thing considering what's happening outside. Agreed. Yeah, and it is cool that like that we've been getting some really good feedback and a lot of interaction, and Adam has as well. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Andre Martins, Callerhan on Twitter, just saw you're doing Gremlins 2. There's nothing to defend, but it needs to be celebrated like all hell. Best sequel ever. Eat that, Godfather 2. Honestly, if a film like this gets made by a big studio, it would never happen now. Yeah, I agreed. There's no way any big studio would take a punt on a sequel that was this far removed from what had gone before. No chance. They, I think they kind of tried it before to an extent with the Batman films, like when moving from Tim Burton into Joel Schumacher's films. Uh, even then, they're much of a muchness. They're very different in tone. Very, one's mm-hmm. very kind of dark, one's very cartoony. But I think the difference between Gremlins and Gremlins 2 is even more stark. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Ross McIntyre, sane man, sane underscore man on Twitter. This film doesn't need defending, but I am glad that it's getting an episode and it gives me another reason to watch it again. By the way, Ross also reaching out, just sending some applause emojis. Oh yeah? Applauding my ratteries joke. It finally got the love you were hoping for. That was it. That was all I was after. That was it. Cra- <laughs> you know I crave it. Oh, don't we all? Yeah, but uh, yeah, ratteries, uh, electric rats. Uh, you got anything else on Gremlins 2 before we move on? You know I do. Saltired Popcorn at Saltired Popcorn getting in touch to say the episode I needed. Also, Peapod Andy. Peapod! That's a bloody invasion of the body snatchers in joke, and you should know better, sir. <laughs> anyway, I went into my thoughts more on Facebook before listening. Loved this episode, and Adam Stovall was awesome. Great. He's cool. also sent a link to an Empire article which kind of breaks down the in jokes and things you might miss in Gremlins 2. Oh, cool. Okay. 
Kevin also said, I think we all know the big question worrying us at this difficult time. Can someone tell me if film fan Stevie has contingency plans in the event of temporary closure of the cousin Soho? Well, who better to answer that question, Mitch, than the man himself? Film fan Stevie got in touch. Mm-hmm. Saying, keeping up with my Friday tradition with a coffee and the latest strong, violent PC. Lovely to hear. Thank you, Stevie. However, sadly, this is not at the Cousin Soho for a while. But it's always in my heart and thoughts. Love that this week they're chatting about Gremlins 2 with Adam Stowell, director of A Ghost Waits. Cool. I believe Stevie and Adam watched a couple of films together at the festival and stuff, like at the Glasgow Film Festival. Yeah, 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 they did. Moving elsewhere, we did talk about the fact last week that we'd done 200 broadcasts now. Yeah, that's wild to me. I mean, across many swords, full episodes, bonus swords, uh, yeah, 200. Um, as of Gremlins, that's two two zero one. Crazy stuff. Uh, Darren Gaskell getting in touch. Temporarily coming out of feedback retirement to congratulate you gents on the mountain of excellent content you've managed to pirate there in such a short space of time. Here's to the next 200. Looking forward to them as always. Darren, thank you very much. But also, don't feel like you have to go on feedback retirement, man. We like hearing from you. Yeah, that's, that's preposterous. Yeah, I'm, I'm having none of that. Get that sorted. Get back in. Everyone else is too cheery. We, we need your grumpiness. Absolutely. By the way, Mitch, also worth mentioning, I mean, we are now on many... 95 right mm-hmm. yeah that means somewhere in the region of five weeks from now it's our 100th episode yeah episode 100 yeah that's crazy we're gonna have to think of something fun to do there you know what we've had a lot of time to plan for this and we just haven't done it <laughs> <laughs> nothing like leaving things to the last minute mitch yep it's the svpc way <laughs> if anyone out there's got any ideas please get in touch but aside from that uh, I'm, I'm already an, an ideas forming as we speak yeah um also just want to say a little scared sleepless caitlin uh scared sleepless on twitter switch my ringtone on Phone always on silent, but work calls are being diverted to my mobile. And overjoyed to find that my ringtone is the Sunshine Kid from Strong Violent PC. Now I just have to remember to actually answer the phone rather than just using the music as thinking time. To be honest, there's nothing going to happen on a phone call that can't wait. And <laughs> in, in these difficult times, take those little calm moments to think and get your thoughts in order. Yeah, that's just about it for me. You got anything else before we move on? Last thing, Laura Bynan, Bynan LV, getting in touch to say, thanks guys for my package for winning the name on Mitch's pitches. The delivery person left it at the foot of the stairs so the social distance was maintained. Our couriers are notoriously very thorough in that way. Well, we have been issuing hazmat suits. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For these for these deliveries, you know, I mean, like we take this stuff pretty seriously. Yep. B- uh, Big Rab's truck has also been wrapped in cling film and sterilised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Weirdly, right. his truck was wrapped in cling film when he started doing our deliveries, um, which was concerning, <laughs> but we didn't make enough of it at the time. Yeah, but now it just feels like he was prepared. Yeah, yeah. Or a murderer. Well, also that. Yeah, yeah. Moving on then. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that's designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It'll be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any identifying text and leave only the image. It will be up to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and, where possible, give it both a title and a synopsis. We'll also post this image everywhere so you guys can play along as well as a few of you have this week. Last week we had Bloodhook. We did, well remembered. By the way, you keep saying where possible, you'll give it a title and a tagline, but you've never failed me, you've never let me down. This is very true, um, including last week where I shamefully called it Beach Shrink and Feed Terry. Not f- not proud of that one. No, 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 I wasn't proud of you. No, that wasn't good. However, what was good were some of the responses that we did get from listeners this Brilliant. week. So a whole load of them, so I've picked out some of the best ones. 
Okay. CP Buckley first then on Instagram. Is this as long as last week's? Because if it is, I better settle in. You know, it's 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 a little bit. He's gone for a little bit more brevity uh, this <laughs> week. After a disastrous spring break trip where Jesus gets several virgins pregnant, oh he returns to heaven to find his father is very angry. Now God Himself has to intervene and dispose of all these possible new sons and daughters. Now Chastity Phelps must find a way to escape God's wrath and give birth to the grandchild of God as her friends are being raptured by a giant fish hook in Mel Gibson's very ill-advised teen comedy romp, Passion of the Christ Four. Dad's gone. Fish <laughs> like that plenty um alexis rear admiral glory hole returns to her hometown at liquor moor for a family reunion however upon her return she finds her family are stuck in a sticky unbreakable slime a rogue wave of slime is going town to town secreting its ooze upon the inhabitants and it's glory's job to discharge it <laughs> tune in this friday night for 1992's slime wave oh wow right okay um Crazily similar to something I was working on recently. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Kinell at Kolak on Twitter. A promiscuous young mermaid arrives in the sleepy fishing village Salty Labia and develops a crush on local fisherman Martin Carpfist. <laughs> Hilarious japes that basically amount to sexual assault ensue in 1989's Berlusconi-funded unlicensed sex comedy sequel Splash 3 Wedding Tackle. <laughs> Hanny underscore Ray, spring break in the popular fishing resort of Lower Itch becomes the scene of a crazed massacre when popular cheerleader Wendigo, very good, <laughs> spurns the advances of an unhinged champion fly fisher who becomes hellbent on bloody revenge. It's go fish, killing for real, R-W-E-L. Yep, got you. <laughs> very nice. Tony Constantinou? Yes. When 17-year-old trainee fishmonger Tilda Boat comes in, discovers her <laughs> mentally unstable pervert boss, Mr. Flute, plans to use her as a human lure to ensnare the mythical Loch Ness monster, she must get her wits out to ensure she survives this ill-conceived nautical nightmare in 1976 sex romp, Unexpected Jailbait, The Silly Voyage of Randy Flute. <laughs> And finally, Kevin Matthews, in a watery spin on the most dangerous game, viewers get to see the characters of Herbert Hook, Simon Lyon, and the B.O. Plague's tagalon, Armand Pitsweat, as they go fishing for women, deciding each time whether to keep them to themselves or cast them back into the water in the 1986 wild exploitation pick, Hook, Lion, and Stinker, Only Rod <laughs> Forgives. <laughs> That's a pick of the bunch this week for me. I think I want to give it to Alexis for uh, Liquor Moor. Liquor okay, Moor. The, yeah, yeah the, the, the town, the town. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I think best pitch is going to go to Tony. Uh, unexpected jailbait, the silly voyage of Randy Flute. Yes. Okay, Alexis and Tony, you are this week's winners. Uh, double helping and nothing, winging its way to both of you. So, I guess it's my turn now. Are you ready? Sure am. Okay, let me press some buttons. Okay. There you go, it's on the way. Oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, nice. Right, okay. Um, so the border of this image is uh, white with a black trim, or kind of maybe grey, or kind of off-white with a black trim. Uh, we have people gathered around a kind of quite fancy looking table. There's a white tablecloth over it and it is surrounded by four people, three of which are bikini-clad women. <laughs> right, yes. Uh, one is screaming, brown hair on the left side, with a kind of dark-coloured bikini on. Let me ask you um, this, Mitch. Could you go into a little more detail on her general uh, state? I would say that she's maybe in a state of some distress. Mm-hmm. Um, also, on the far right, or at least the rightmost of the three women, uh, I would say that the other one, she's also in a state of some distress. She's standing up, though. Uh, she has her right hand on her right cheek and is uh, looking shocked. And the other woman, the one in the middle, seems to have like absolutely no qualms with what's going on whatsoever. She has one hand behind her head and is posing provocatively and looking directly at the viewer. <laughs> sure. Uh, on the far right, we have a um, a fancy-looking man in a three-piece suit and a pinstripe tie with a glass of what looks like wine in his hand, certainly a wine glass in his left hand. He's looking kind of like slightly unhingedly towards the camera. Um, he has very pronounced brows and is very clean-shaven and yes. his brown hair. 
Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. Um, in the background of the image, we have a disfigured-looking man with blood running down his head. He looks a bit like a Zangief from Street Fighter Two. He also looks a bit like um, a Victor Crowley from Hatchet grew a moustache. Yeah, uh huh. I hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally, yeah, he's looking a little bit kind of uh, he's looking menacing, but also yeah, kind of kind of disfigured. Uh-huh. Uh And on the table in front of us, we have uh, a kind of like a little fruit basket, a short like a short like a short glass like something you would maybe serve whiskey in mm-hmm. uh some flowers and a serving dish with a human head on it uh with glasses kind of a little bit of a david lynch vibe to the hair and Could a speech Malcolm. bubble saying uh, yeah um and a speech bubble saying you'll scream your head off yeah 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 uh, so uh, the, the, the woman on the left there she seems to be scared and in a state of distress because she's lifting this cloche presumably uh expecting something other than a severed head Yes, I would agree. I think that's just about everything. Three bikini-clad women and one smartly-dressed psychopath look on uh, in front of a serving dish with a human head on a platter as a disfigured madman looks on in the background. Sure, yep, yep, right. yep. I'll need a moment. You have to wonder if the, the, the kind of full impact of what's happening around this dinner table hasn't quite hit the lady with a hand on her head yet. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I think that she's like it's going to be a slowest horse situation there. Yeah, yeah. She'll be like, "What? What's happening? What's what, what's everybody upset about? Oh, yeah. head. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, okay, I think I have something here. Okay. Okay, so I'm just going to say that I'm going to be well out with the year, but I just had to adjust it to make certain elements of the plot make sense. Sure. Lured to the countryside mansion of reality TV magnate lowermost denominator under false pretenses, <laughs> three beautiful swimsuit models arrive under the pretense of starring in a new Love Island-style game show, Babe Manor, where they all compete for the affections of introverted billionaire Rex Clusive. <laughs> sure. However, when Rex's head is served as the main course at the event's opening night party, things take a sinister and deadly turn when Lowermost reveals that the girls are to be hunted by infamous disfigured serial killer Twisty Mandible, with the events streamed live online for the sick satisfaction of a worldwide legion of Lowermost's fellow tyrants. Forced to form breakaway groups to evade Mandible's clutches, the girls must decide on their allegiances and make the three-mile run across the mansion's grounds to escape in 1999's eerily prescient horror, Fright's Stamina Factions. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. <laughs> what year did you say? 1999, because I had to kind of get the internet in there. Right, sure, 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 sure. Uh, the year was 1976. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, the film was Bloodsucking Freaks. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, synopsisizer and synopsis? Well, interestingly, the synopsisizer on IMDb is John Wattles. I'm not, I mean, I, I don't think... It's the real John Waters. I don't think it's the same guy, probably not. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, now, there's a, 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 a quite a short synopsis and quite a long one. The long one has more detail and is funnier. Okay, do that one. But then there's a question of brevity. No, it's fine. Okay. <clears throat> the long one it is. Okay, coming in from Pink Flamingo's director, John Waters. In New York's Soho district, the master of ceremonies, Sardou, runs the Theatre of the Macabre which specialises in acts where people are tortured and dismembered. The spectators dismiss it as fakery, but the gore is real. Behind the scenes, Sardou and his dwarf assistant Ralphus torment and mutilate women for their own pleasure, as well as sell girls they have abducted into slavery. Fucking hell, okay. I don't know if I can do this next bit. (laughs) Go on. When the critic... (laughs) When the critic... Creasy Silo... (laughs) Okay. 
Keep it together. <clears throat> when the critic Creasy Silo contemptuously dismisses the show, Sardou has him kidnapped and tortured. At the same time, Sardou also abducts the ballerina Natasha de Natale. Oh my goodness. And determines to break her will in order to make her agree to perform in his new show. I see. Okay. Is that all? That's it. That's your lot. It was Creasy Silo that I really wanted to say. Yeah. No, I'd have, I, I can understand that. That's that's a, that's a very Mitch's Pitchesy name. <laughs> Is this any good? Not really. Not massively. It's a trauma film. Yeah, it's out on Blu-ray from 88 Films, so you can check it out through those guys if that's what you want to do. Cool. Okay, that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. That image is everywhere. If you want to join in, then you know what to do. So, uh, moving swiftly on then to the streaming platforms this week. Yeah. And a lot of good stuff going on this week, actually. Netflix then, Tuesday 24th. Finally getting this one, Mercy Black. Yeah, this seems to have been a long time that this has been coming for. I mean, it's been out in America for easily six months. Aye, oh yeah, yeah, easily, easily. But 15 years after a traumatic crime, a woman is released from psychiatric care and tries to drive out an evil spirit that continues to haunt her. Wednesday 25th, we've got season one of The Meyer. In an early 80s Polish town, a prostitute and a youth leader are found killed, but the police's handling of the case makes two journalists suspicious. Ooh. And Friday 27th, we've got Mark of the Devil. When two sisters open an ancient book that ushers evil into their midst, a possessed priest wrestling with his own demons becomes their only salvation. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Shudder then. Monday 23rd, we have got VHS, the original VHS. Four thugs who make money putting their violent antics online are hired to steal a VHS tape from a spooky old house. However, things take a turn for the worse where they find a dead pensioner and dozens more tapes. This is an anthology, of course, directed by the likes of Adam Wingard, Ty West, Glenn McQuaid, Joe Swanberg, and Radio Silence. This is really good. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I don't like the... the- use of spooky old house i don't like spooky old house either but i'm i'm only i'm only as good as what's given to me you know sure 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 i know that much uh tuesday 24th the crucifixion with an x terror strikes when a journalist investigates the death of a nun during an exorcism okay uh thursday 26th one that went down pretty well at fright fest this year the furies kidnapped and afraid a woman finds herself fighting to stay alive as an unwilling participant in a deadly game where women are hunted by masked men oh i've seen this um, oh yeah, I believe you have actually. Yeah, yeah we did got you like a it? of this. Yeah, it, it's fine. There's some cool gory stuff in it, but I was on the whole underwhelmed. Okay. Amazon Prime then worth mentioning that an Amazon video you can rent uh, for roughly the cost of a cinema ticket, The Invisible Man and The Hunt just now, which is a pretty cool way to support these films that obviously are having their cinema releases curtailed right now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I noticed um, Kathy Yan's Birds of Prey is coming next week as well. I think. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if more of these follow suit, but yeah, that's that's out there. Both of those are out there right now if you want to check those out. Also, Monday twenty third today, uh, make your own mind up about this one. Jason Lee Howden's Guns Akimbo. Right, lands okay. on Amazon Prime, obviously at the centre of a little bit of controversy just now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles also Jason in the film. Yeah, agreed. But uh, Miles is a video game developer who inadvertently becomes the next participant in a real-life deathmatch that streams online. While Miles soon excels at running away from everything, that won't help him outlast Nyx, a killer at the top of her game. That's uh, Daniel Radcliffe in that one. That's available from today. And Samara Weaving. That's about it. Sky Cinema hasn't got really got anything noteworthy this week um, from a horror angle. Um, for a pick this week, purely just because I think these are titles that are worth supporting, I'm going to throw it to Invisible Man and the Hunt. Yeah, I, I'm more drawn towards the Invisible Man than the Hunt. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, but like, um, yeah, they're both out there. And like I say, if you were considering checking those out at the cinema, check them out at home. Yeah, yeah, put your feet up, uh, sit yeah. in your pants. So, <laughs> yeah, so turning our attention to this week's show, we do have a guest, figuring out the logistics of that right now, but we do have a guest. <laughs> She is the writer of such films as Lord of Tears, also Kids vs. Monsters, The Unkindness of Ravens, The Black Gloves, and The Devil's Machine. It is Sarah Daly. Yes, indeed. Sarah Daly of Hex Media joins us, and we're going back to 1986, Mitch. Okay. 
And it's a film by Toby Hooper, the first film by Toby Hooper that we've done since Life Force. Mm-hmm, episode 19, so a wee while. Yeah, it's Invaders from Mars. Invaders from Mars with Sarah Daly this week. Looking forward to this. How are you guys feeling about this one? Get in touch and let us know. There's loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can email stronglanguageviolentscenes at gmail.com. Of course, yes, and check out our website, strongviolentpod.com, where you can find all the relevant information about the show that you could possibly require. Exactly. We are back this Friday talking Invaders from Mars with Sarah Daly. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Guys, stay safe, stay healthy, stay home, and we will see you soon. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.